The following program is a specialty program. Unless otherwise identified, the participants on the program are not employees of Chorus Entertainment. Opinions expressed may not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. It's another Sunday night here in Toronto, and tonight we are talking comedy and controversy, talking about the things you can and can't, quote-unquote, say on stage. I'm Dean Young, and we're about to go Inside the Joke. Welcome to Inside Jokes on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Inside Jokes, baby! Right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto and, of course, coast-to-coast, Canada-wide on the Global News Radio Network. Brought to you, of course, by our good friends at Hakeem Optical. Listen, even if you're in the back row, it's probably fine. Hakeem Optical, that's that's my favorite plug of the year. Uh, We have some new friends of the show joining us this week. We have Juliana Rodriguez in studio. Hey, guys. Hello, welcome, welcome. Thanks for having me. First time on the show, long-time listener. Probably not, I don't know. Long-time listener. Long-time listener. Uh, We do have Mark Hughes in studio with us. You joined us a little while ago on the phone from somewhere. You were out on the road. Yeah, I was in Edmonton that time. Edmonton, Yeah, touring around. You're here, finally here in studio. Yeah. And last but not least, someone who I've wanted to have on the show for a long time, actually, old friend in Canadian comedy, never joined us in studio, Joe Puff Mama Baker, ladies and gentlemen. Yo, yo, yo. You, of course, are the... You 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 launched one of the greatest independent comedy venues in this city, and therefore in Canadian comedy, because this is the hub, the underground, of course, which has been home to many infamous shows mm-hmm. over the years. How long is it, have you been doing this for now, by the way? The uh, underground, thirteen years. Thirteen years, which that's a long, that's a long. Yeah, we can clap for <laughs> yeah. that. That is a long tenure in in Canadian comedy. Um, so there's a few things I want to get into with with our panel on tonight's show. Uh, first up, though. So, Mark and Joe, you guys are doing this show at the Underground, which is basically it's so it's all comics who have done jail time, <laughs> basically. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So, what's this whole thing about? How did you put this all together aside from having uh, brushes with the law? I guess because I want to. In the joint. First swear right out of the gate. Uh, I, I, well, I, uh, Joanne puts on a. A storytelling show. Yeah. Well, it sort of knew that you're doing the storytelling show, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. just the last few months. So her first couple were like getting high yeah. and getting high again. Yeah. And then I I was thinking about, because uh, I, I did a bunch of time myself. Yes. And people have always said, why don't you do a comedy show based on that, like a story to tell yeah. s- true stories from prison. Yeah. And the, so then I, she's already, Joanne was doing a storytelling show that's sort of getting high being in prison isn't that far of a leap from getting high, right? Yeah. <laughs> or so, from stand-up yeah, comedy. Yeah, one either. usually leads to the other, right? Yeah. So then I just, you know, I said to Joanne, hey, I've, I've thought about this show. Uh, what do you think? She goes, yeah. And turns out she's been done time too. I've had house yeah. arrest. Yeah. And then yeah. I just found some comics who had also done some time and uh, there you go. Now we have busted stories from the slammer. There you go. February 29th at the Underground. So you have people are just telling their stories about yeah. g- going to jail yeah. and yeah. So it's not necessarily and... pure stand-up. It's, yeah. So it's not all of it'll be like, like laughs, uh, you know, laughs per minute kind yeah. of thing, but or laughs per every laughs per thirty seconds. But uh, 
it's sort of the only con- condition is or uh, parameters they have to be true stories. Yeah. yeah, true stories about that. And I think like even though Joe like this storytelling format is maybe a newer thing that you're doing at the underground but in a way i mean the underground has always sort of been known for i mean you'll have big comics come in from the states and from across canada and do specific sort of shows there you'll have theme nights and stuff but it's always been known as sort of this venue where it's very sort of open and freeform and people can go there and experiment with new material and just sort of talk to the audience and try stuff out i mean not Mm -hmm. every not every venue in stand-up is like that it's sort of a very free open atmosphere where people just sort of play jazz with it open your brain and tell the story open your brain and tell the story and one thing i want to get into as well is i mean obviously we'll get into this a bit more in the show but weed and comedy have always been married together that's sort of been this sort of subculture in in stand-up and the underground was always at the forefront of that whole scene and i'm curious to see how much has you know, the whole advent of legalization changed what the, what those venues are like and what that scene is like and how much it's helped it or hindered it. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of ways that it has changed because the underground used to be like, it's always been one of those places where you could go. It's a little bit off the radar. Comics always know about it. It's one of those venues that comics just go and hang out at, whether or not they're mm-hmm. on the show that night, they just go and flock together there and just workshop some stuff and try some things out. So I'm curious how much that's changed that. We'll get into more of that and controversy. In comedy with tonight's panel. We'll be back with more inside jokes right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. This is Molly Earl, and uh, you're listening to Inside Jokes. So I guess that's about your liver. My liver and my. uh, (laughs) Still got my teeth, and uh, (laughs) my own teeth. And we're on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. back toronto you are listening to inside jokes right here on global news radio 640 toronto we're talking about the good the bad and the uncensored we were talking a bit before the break with mark hughes and joe baker about busted stories from the slammer so comics getting up and telling material true stories about serving time doing some jail time yeah in 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 toronto's foremost 420 stand-up venue so it's sort of the perfect perfect home for that but we also have juliana rodriguez in studio with us you of course so you've never you've never gone to jail per se never gone to jail uh <laughs> i'm scared of everyone and everything so there is no i don't i don't like any sort of confrontation and uh yeah i called 911 when i was like in grade two at yeah. like a daycare but everybody does that calls 911 yeah i'm i think i'm my parents are like hot-headed European people, so yeah. like if I acted out in any way, like it, I would be aligned immediately. Like there is no bad behavior that that would get past them. What were their thoughts on you first getting into stand-up? Because we were talking before the show today. I mean, you started at a really young age. You were telling us fifteen years old. Yeah, which is a weird world to jump into at a young, it sort is. of innocent age like that. There's yeah. only been a handful of 
comics really in this country that started out so young and are st- and are still doing it are still working at it. Right. I mean, for you, because you were, you were a Humber grad as well. Yeah. How much did, because I mean, it's a comedy school and they take you out to mics and you learn how to write and perform material and workshop and all that stuff. How much did it really prepare you for what the actual, you know, uh, open well, mic scene is like? The thing is, I was doing comedy for three years before I started at Humber. Wow, okay. Yeah, so I had wow. already been doing stand-up and had my foot in the door with, like, a lot of people. Like, I started getting in with, like, yucks and stuff like that, so I yeah. definitely was, like, I think it was a little bit more advanced, but in terms of, like, acting and kind of, like, getting your foot in the door with, like, sketch comedy and stuff like that, it was it was definitely really interesting and definitely helps you kind of expand your knowledge a little bit so what the heck threw you into that at such a young age like what at what point did you go stand up that's what i want to attempt honestly i don't know <laughs> i was i was like one of those kids that like still now like i feel like i'm 36 but i'm 22 you yeah know I mean? it'll like, age I you horribly yeah for sure yeah. yeah yeah but i just uh i don't know i took like an improv course at second city because mm-hmm. uh, i just wanted to do something like funny and whatever and then after that uh i was like no i just want to be solo like i don't want to work with people and then i just started doing stand-up well i think did you like did you have a lot of people who saw that who saw being so young and sort of quote-unquote inexperienced did people sort of take you for granted away and go ah what's this kid know about they're not gonna you know because stand-up you're sort of tapping into your own life experiences mark of course knows joe knows so obviously at such a young age breaking into that world did people sort of look at you and go what are they going to talk you about? You know what? I know? honestly am not sure what people thought of me when I first started comedy, uh, <laughs> but probably along those lines. They were probably like, what is this dumb kid like, yeah. doing out here? Like her mom. Like my mom brought me to a lot of my gigs and like she would literally be like sleeping in the corner with like a jacket <laughs> over her because she's had she's been at work since like 7 a.m. Yeah. And I'm like just dragging her out to this miserable garbage uh, of, open mic, <laughs> <laughs> of open mic world. Uh, and yeah, and and that's it. But they they were supportive of it though. My mom was really supportive. Yeah. yeah, my dad like not so much. He's like more traditional. I had to like wait a few years for him to get on board. I had the same thing with my parents. Like they would follow me to just random open mics, which you know your friends and your family should never witness that. Yeah, that's just a painful place you go to to just say something for the first time, 100%. just because you have to get it off your chest and you have to go do it somewhere. Yeah. You get a lot of sympathy from doing like family comedy is not for friends and family. It's not. No. You save like the big booked shows that you know you can sort of bank on a little bit and then you invite people Mm -hmm. out but when they like i remember those first couple years i'm sure you guys know you know when you like mark i'm sure you remember when you first start stand-up it's like you'll have a handful of friends that follow you around i think it's almost a novelty thing where they're like i just want to watch my friend that i went to college with bomb and die on stage (laughs) and they follow you around for a bit and they're sort of like this built-in entourage so even if you're in some dive with nobody in the crowd other than five other comics that don't care you at least have sort of a built-in audience but then you do it for a while and they, they just sort of disappear like they don't care anymore it's just your job now uh yeah i i i, I didn't i didn't go to college though dude yeah well uh, yeah. No. I, I, you went I, other places yeah, i was in a different institution <laughs> i do want to get into yeah. with you a little bit more after the break and and joe too like how much of obviously for you you're uh, so much of your material is about past struggles and just your personal life that's the stuff we mine as comedians for you what was your big influence of getting into this i mean did that did those life events happen first or was that when you were already in this world of stand-up uh, do, do, are we on that one minute warning thing yeah uh, we'll come back uh, okay, with this. Yeah, don't yeah. you worry a bit of a story yeah. <laughs> yeah. we'll come back with that i'm curious about how much not just obviously the this busted show and the prison stories but how much of your own 
struggles, if you will, have have fed your comedy life and drove you into that. So we're going to come back with more everybody's backstories. Those of us who've been to jail, those of us who had nice parents that followed us to comedy shows when we were 15. <laughs> we'll be back with more inside jokes right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Hey, this is Rodrigo Fernandez Stoll, star of the North by Northeast Music Festival, and you're listening to Inside Jokes on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back, Canada. You are listening to Inside Jokes right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. I'm Dean Young. We have a full panel in studio talking about, well, so we, uh, we've covered a few bases so far early in the show. Going to prison, that's a big one. Starting stand-up at a young age, not having gone to jail. What I mean, Juliana, you still have so much to do in your comedy career. You've accomplished a lot so far, but maybe jail one day. Who knows? Uh, you know what? That'd be pretty cool. If I went to jail, I always joke about this with my friends. I'm like, I would be someone's bitch for sure. There is no way. The only way I'd be able to survive is by like, I don't even know. I'd have to have like a boyfriend through like the toilets. You know how they do like they flush out the toilets and then you just yeah. like talking to people. I'd have like a boyfriend on the other side that would like send me snacks. And then I'd be someone's. Bitch. I didn't know about the yeah. flushing the to- toilet thing, and you talked to your. I saw that in a documentary. Really? Yeah. Or an episode of Oz. You guys know about that? Yeah. I don't know. Mark, did you ever re toilet uh, talking? Uh, no, the plumbing in the prisons I was in don't work like that, but there's variations of that. There's but, variations. Yeah, yeah, it where depends you could on talk your... through like a vent or a window or something like that. Accommodations. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> before the break, we were talking about how much our own life experiences lend to our stand up. Obviously, that's a huge thing as you sort of. I feel like when you first start stand-up, you guys will know, you you know, those early, early on, you sort of, you think of the comics that you look up to and you just, a lot of people go out to their first few open mics and they go, I'm going to be the next so-and-so. But then it takes a while for you to sort of figure out your own voice and find out who you actually are and tap into your own life. And that's what sort of makes you different than everybody else on stage. I mean, Joe, you've seen a billion open micers over the years, right? And you've seen people who've lasted and grown and changed right because a lot of people you go to any open mic any given night in a city like toronto and there's like 10 different i'm going to be the next bill burrs on right so much hope so much hope and i think (laughs) you need that those those defeats and those struggles i think to find what your voice is but you figure out how to tap into your own life experience and make that something that you can sort of get an audience on board with and get them to relate to yeah so i mean mark for you so much of your stand-up is about life struggles and past things you've been through what was the driving force for you early on was your life a lot different when you started stand-up i got out of prison can't rob banks anymore can't shoot heroin what the hell do i do for fun so you went from that to stand-up pretty much well i was out for about when i got out of the joint i got out uh in 2007 i was 27 yeah um i just i'd served seven years um, and I'd been in and out since I was 15. Yeah. So when I was got out, I, 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 I'm a stranger in a strange land. I don't know how it works out here. I, I haven't had a life. Like, like a, what do I do now? Yeah, I don't know what, yeah. I don't even know what I like to do for fun or I have, I know I have no skills. I, I don't know anything. Right. So the first, se- I, I guess I was out about seven years 
when I started doing comedy, just under seven years. So I ended up in comedy just for something to try. Okay. I, was, I wasn't a comedy fan. Yeah. I'd only ever, I, I couldn't name more than five or six comics. I'd, I'd only ever been to one live comedy show in my life, Jason Rouse. Yeah. That, that was the guy mm-hmm. who actually showed me that maybe a guy like with my sense of humor might have a marketable yeah. style. Because I always thought I was too offensive because yeah. people get really... <laughs> People get really mad at some. People, it was devi- it was very divisive. My sense of humor. People thought it was hilarious, and people get really mad at it. Right? Yeah, yeah. I have people who've forgiven me for robbing them, <laughs> and there's people who haven't forgiven me for jokes I told, like yeah. for material. Yeah, wow. Yeah. wow. Yeah. But I think you know, and one thing we tend to forget, especially right now, I think in the current climate that we're in right now, and and the sort of social politics we're in right now, is that we forget how smart audiences actually are you like audiences will figure out whether you're up on stage courting controversy and saying stuff just to be like i'm just gonna see if i could push people's buttons the fat will fall off the bone whereas if you do have a more controversial take on something or you are a bit of a blunter edged instrument but there's something behind it there's a reason why you're writing and saying those things and there's some intelligence behind it you're going to find that audience i think people are going to give that a chance Honestly, um, I've had very few, despite, since I've been doing comedy with with the actual audience, like people who are at a comedy show, I've had very few problems with them. It's actually usually comics that I have the biggest problems with. Yeah. Absolutely. And Mm -hmm. that's one thing that I want to get into with you guys. I think this is more than more than two minutes. But I mean, Mm -hmm. why do you guys think we have such a tendency right now? It seems to be a fairly recent thing, but we have this tendency in comedy lately to police ourselves and police each other way before audiences ever do i think we've stopped giving audiences a chance to just sort of figure that stuff out for themselves and let things happen organically we're the ones right now in comedy it seems to be where we're saying no you can't say that you can't talk about that on stage but audiences aren't doing that why do you guys think that is i mean i joanne's probably the best one to answer that because she's seen been around for so long and seen so much and i think you've seen tastes change in comedy and you've seen the way people approach it change over the years yeah i i purposely opened an uncensored room and it's interesting how it's seeping into my room because i want to be an inclusive person i want everyone to have a chance i want everyone to have their say but at the same time i get in trouble because a comic said something on my stage and my only policy is you say something to offend me you just won't get another set yeah yeah but to actually muzzle someone i that's a hard thing now to to try and stand by. It is. It's sort of a double-edged sword. It's like you're giving comics this venue where, okay, I'm not going to... There's no list of rules on the wall like you'll find in some clubs where it's like you can't talk about these Ten Commandments or whatever it is, you know. But at the same time, you also have an audience that you've built over the years that is aware that when I walk into this room, I'm going to see a wide array of comics, but the whole point is they are going to talk about what they want to talk about, and I am here to watch that. I'm here to watch a comedy show. And we can decide what's funny or not for ourselves. I think because most of our audience um, is high on <laughs> They're yeah. a lot more forgiving than most audiences. Um, they'll be like, whoa, I can't believe you said that. And then that's it. I don't, uh, I don't usually get too many hecklers that way. Yeah, that's true. And I think there's something, I want to get into this after the break, but there's something that sets stoned audiences aside from you know your typical drunk comedy club audiences where a lot of comics think it's difficult to do weed rooms and and do sets in front of people who are high but i mean i think there's also 
an openness there yeah. where you a lot of the times where you run into hecklers there's n- it's not like there's a bunch of professional hecklers in Canada that have like a hecklers union it's you nine times out of ten it's just some drunk person in the crowd that thinks they're being part of the show and they think they're helping yeah we're lucky there <laughs> yeah, yeah you don't get a lot of that <laughs> nope for sure all right we're gonna come back with more of our panel right here on Inside Jokes hi my name's Aaron Berg, and you're so lucky to be listening to me on Inside Jokes on 640. You are listening to Inside Jokes right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto, and of course, Canada wide. On the Global News Radio Network. We were talking before the break with Joe Puff Mama Baker, the the comedy matriarch of Toronto's iconic underground comedy club. But we were talking a little bit, we touched on this before the break, the difference between going up and trying out some new material in front of a stoned audience versus, you know, a lot of the times you'll be at a comedy club somewhere and there's there's always inevitably that random table of drunk people that are like acting up and they want to be sort of part of the show and they're we're helping they think (laughs) they think they're helping the show by like cutting it off and jumping in and stuff but some comics do think that it's difficult to perform for a high audience but I, i i don't know i've never found that to be true personally obviously you don't. I mean, what do you guys think? Like, because with a, I think with a high audience, the one thing that throws some comics off the first couple of times is like you might not necessarily get that big loud reaction because mm-hmm. everybody is mellow, but they're still enjoying the show. It's almost like they're just like smiling and nodding. I think comics who need that reaction have a harder time than comics yeah. who don't. And if you just are confident and you talk with the audience rather than at them, um, high audiences are often better. And they're just not loud and boisterous. Um, and I, yeah, it's true. And I think there's almost more of an interaction with the audience in that scenario. Cause a, lo- a, lo- a lot more empathy. And, yeah. And a lot more, aw, if you say something dumb, rather than, what the <laughs> f-? I mean, just, 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 anyway. Yeah, you're sort of like playing off that energy in the room more. Because I think a lot of stand-ups have that approach where you're the audience, I'm up here on stage, Shut up and listen. And that's it. You almost don't, you want them to do nothing except for obviously laugh and clap and, and that's it. Whereas in a venue like the Underground, there's sort of this give and take, like you're almost yeah. inviting the audience in a little bit more, yeah. which is something that we could learn a bit from in stand up. I think that's more of, you know, an improv thing, really. What are you, for you, Mark? I mean, do you, how much do you like to engage an audience like that? Uh, my comedy triggers reactions from audience. Yes. So I, don't, I don't mean trigger in the. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it, it just, I, in some ways, it, I, I mean it in the in the in the uh, traditional sense. Yeah, it garners people, a response. So I had to learn over the years to be able to do crowd work, whether I like it or not, because the audience reacts. Yeah. So it does throw me off in weed rooms because they don't do that, and I'm sort of conditioned to have like, okay, so I mean, the formula in my mind is it's all muscle memory. Is this joke? Nine times out of ten, they they go oh oh, and then yeah. I go oh da, da, da. then I have a tag for that, and the oh if it's if it's this reaction, then I do like like because because the style of my comedy, Aaron Berg taught me this, and I kind of learned it on my own. Yeah, I have to write one, two jokes for every one joke I write, pretty much, because I have to have a re- I have to have a joke for the reaction. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Just in case it doesn't go over well, 
or 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 it, it kind of gets to a, a line where it might be like if they're not quite uh off like over but yeah like i have to be able to um smooth it out you either have to bring things back from that or be able to build on that reaction right, yeah, yeah or b- build up wave. momentum too so sometimes if i'm at a weed room and they don't i'm like uh also, I'm 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 clean too. I don't do any drugs at all. So weed, yeah. weed rooms. I'm always taking my life in my hands when I go into a weed room. Yeah, for for the audience. You know what though? I was always kind of the same way. Like, I, I mean, I love I love weed, but I could never. I when I was doing stand, I was never able to actually go up on stage stoned. First time I got high in in 13 years was at your room, at Jeff Paul's uh, Dirty Christmas. Yeah, because I I went and did the thing that I never do, but which you're supposed to do in comedy. I went and socialized with the comics beforehand. Yeah, and then a lot of people were smoking that night, and I got a contact high, and I hadn't been high in 13 years. Yes, that happened to me all the time. Really high too, not just kind of high. Oh yeah, I've forgotten gloves at the underground, sunglasses. (laughs) uh, I've forgotten earrings there just because do you, do you I smoke get weed contacted. Regularly? No, I don't even smoke I don't do any drugs. I don't think I've ever actually been fully drunk. Oh, okay. Well, really? yeah. it's sad. Oh, okay. It's it's sad, but it's like I don't know what I'm trying to do. Like any harmony. I should be the spokesperson for like Christian Mingle. It's sure. <laughs> <laughs> so pathetic. But uh yeah, that anyway, just adding to that. I have a yeah. quick question. Yes. Um the last few months the government's shut us down from smoking weed. Do you guys notice a difference in my audience? Yes. Yeah. They're not as good. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> they're not as good. I'm sorry. Wow. I'm sorry. They're not though. They were. They were. It was. They seemed more wild before, and more down. Like, more lucid. Yeah. Yeah. And more like I think enthusiastic. The hot box really changed, yeah. uh, and the lack thereof. Now, um, I've noticed that I've. I feel like more of a regular comedy club, and I, I want to be able to smoke inside again. <laughs> well, and you know what though? But the difference between your crowd, Joe, and a lot of like these other weed rooms that came up afterwards in Toronto was your crowd. I think because you always built it as a comedy club mm-hmm. versus a lot of these shows in Toronto where we are a weed room, so we have a comedy show. But that came along way after people were like vaping in the room and stuff. So a lot of those audiences would just be like comatose high. And it was it was almost the same as like surprising a room full of people well, in not, a bar with a comedy show. Not to knock the other weed rooms, but they're not there necessarily for comedy. Exactly, and you whereas built, I've yeah. cultivated specifically, you the chairs are angled a certain way. Yeah. yeah, and then here's the show, and now it's done. Get out. Yeah, and you built a comedy club. That's the difference. Like yeah. doing your show. Like yeah, there's people getting stoned in the audience, but people are there for that purpose and for that reason. They're there to actually like experience something new versus you would go to not to name any other places but you guys know the rooms where you'd go up and it's just like oh my god these people are, like don't even know where they are like right an now. opium den yeah. it is yeah mm. whereas you you just always happen to be an independent comedy club where you could just smoke pot inside that was just a part of it you know uh but it's interesting though i'm curious to hear more about how that sort of changed your audience over time we'll come back with more inside jokes light one up we'll be back after the break <laughs> right here on global news radio 640 toronto Hey, I'm Adam Grow, the Cash Cap Guy, and you're listening to Inside Jokes on 640. Oh, yeah, welcome back, Toronto. You are tuned into Inside Jokes, baby! Right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto, brought to you by our good friends at Hakeem Optical. Your eyes can have it. No, I'm not going to. No, they're going to cancel immediately i should never sing that jingle by myself we were talking before the break about weed audiences and of course the toronto's 
infamous underground comedy club and how the audience has changed, Joe. I mean, since now people can't smoke inside anymore. Legalization. I mean, what did you what did you think when this was first coming down the pipes? That's almost a pun, but when legalization was on its way, what were your thoughts? Like, did you see that changing the way you operate? Yeah, did- I thought I thought they'd let me do what I'm doing. Yeah, I mean now the, the provincial it's the provincial government, not the federal government. That's the Smoke Free Ontario Act that's right. stopping us, and they are discussing the idea of licensing lounges. But in the end, it's like that's going to be for the rich. It and, is, and, yeah. And for yeah. me to get a license, it's probably going to be expensive. I'm probably going to have to have a million-dollar ventilation system. I'm probably going to have to do all kinds of hoop jumping. And I'm like, oh, I didn't expect this when I voted yes for legalization. Well, and I mean, that was one of the strong things about the underground to begin with was it is, event like, as we were saying before the break, yeah, it was always a place where you could smoke inside. But first and foremost, you built a comedy club. But you built a comedy club where you could see comics that are, you know, touring across Canada. You could see some bigger names come in there and not have to pay a fortune and make an, you're just going and watching these people just go and work on some new stuff. You know, it was always sort of like an accessible, affordable place. So now what is it for you? I mean, is it still, you just want to keep existing as just a comedy club now? Like your audience has changed obviously a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm looking at new locations and trying to revamp it in a different way. So that there's um, more of a bar up front that's open, you know, to hang out all day and yeah. then having an enclosed performance space, um, kind of like the way a horseshoe or the Rivoli is. Right. Where, you know, people could be there, maybe have a kitchen serving hemp food. They can't stop me from doing that. <laughs> there's just nice, all kinds yeah. of things I thought of because I just, it's going to be difficult to survive as a regular comedy club without being able to sell the atmosphere, literally, as, um, unless they do licensing, and then I, that's going to be years before we see that. So. It is, and it's going to be. I don't even know if I want a, a weed license. Grab. I'm not going to lie. That's going to be a money grab for sure. <laughs> of just, course, it is like anything else. For sure, it would be. I'm a bit of an anarchist, so part of me just wants to do whatever I want to do, and I don't want to be stopped, and I don't want to have to jump through hoops, and I don't want to have to have thousands of pounds of paperwork to do. Yeah, well, that's why. Yeah, of course, you're. That's why you ended up with the the busted show. This this week at the underground, I want. I was curious to ask, and I mean, Juliana and Mark. Of course, you guys have very different backgrounds. You came into comedy in different ways at different ages. Do you guys think it's it's because it's both of your material plays off very different things? Do you think it's necessary to sort of have a bit of baggage as a person to be a comic? Like, can you be happy and well adjusted in your personal life and still be able to tap into that thing on stage? You know what I um really as someone who has dealt with like mental illness like I have anxiety OCD things like that Mm -hmm. I write my best and I'm my funniest when I'm happy and when I don't feel anxious or stressed out or depressed about whatever um I really think that those days are kind of gone where you know like I I don't believe I don't buy into the whole like you have to be miserable in order to be a funny comedian because that's just created you know there's there's been suicides because of that and that's just terrible like who I I don't buy into that at all and I think I mean the mark of true comedy is it just changes with your life you so your your voice and what you're talking about on stage goes along with your life so I mean whether you're you know you just got out of jail or you're going through a divorce or something once you've honed that voice shouldn't be any different than I'm incredibly happy. I'm in a good relationship. I just had a kid. Whatever it happens to be that's fueling your life at that moment. I mean, you should be able to tap into whatever that is, right? 
It's, I mean, what do you think, Mark? I mean, having been through the places you've been, and obviously a lot of your comedy came from that, I think you can still be in a good place in your life and take that to the stage. The thing is, is like my past that is the like rough stuff or dark or whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. right? That's the past. Like I'd done tons of therapy and recovery and all that. Like one of the things that's a bit lonely about comedy coming into it, sort of the route I did, and I was a bit older than most of the people. Like I started at 33. Yeah. Most yeah. people who start are in their early 20s, right? Yeah. What, what's been lonely is my wild days are over. I'm boring now. I'm okay with that. I earned the right to be boring. Right? Yeah, like I, yeah. I used to get in high speed police chases and stuff like that on, on the weekend for fun. So I'm okay yeah. being being boring. But this, my peers, my colleagues, they're still doing their, well, their version of wild. Right? <laughs> but, uh, but you know what I mean? I'm, I'm sitting there, they're all drinking and ha- having a, you know, getting high and stuff. And I'm yeah. twiddling my thumbs going, this is boring, man. Like I want to go home and watch Netflix and wa- watch my shows. You know, my shows are on. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah. Uh, so it's kind of hard. It's, it's been hard that way because I'm not saying I'm a model of mental health, but I've worked very hard to have fairly good mental health. I spent a lot of money on it too. Yeah, right? And yeah. so it can sometimes be, um, it can be lonely. I don't, I don't want to say all comics are mentally ill and unstable. A lot of them are, but not all. It, it can be sort of strange having gotten all that out of the way. Yeah. And then now I'm with people who... A never lived like that, and B have shades of it now, but it's okay. it's not necessarily bad in their case, yeah. right? So it, it it's that yeah that I can feel like an outsider in the in an in an odd kind of a way. I still feel like an outsider. Yeah, I you know what I I one hundred percent relate to that because when I sort of took a break from stand up at the time, I was really going through some stuff and I was mining that for material and I toured it around and all this and did an album about it and blah, blah, blah. And it was great until it wasn't anymore. Cause I got to the end of that and I was like, I don't, I don't want to talk about this stuff anymore because yeah, it might be working on stage, but it's not working for me. Right mm-hmm. now. I'm just using this as a crutch and I'm just, I'm staying in this crappy period in my life just for the sake so that I can keep doing it on stage every night, mm-hmm. but you're not moving your actual life forward. One of the things that's okay for me to do it to a certain degree is, um, I have a lot of distance. Mm-hmm. from that stuff so the only thing I the one snag I don't like sometimes on a person just a personal it's 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 a personal uh, struggle is sometimes I get people start defining me by my past and that's yeah. all I am yeah. I'm the prison guy that's it yeah and it's like okay it's good for marketing not gonna lie yeah it right? yeah. Make, does make me unique right but it's like man I worked really hard not to be defined by my past yeah. and that's a, that's an Achilles heel for me sometimes but it might i might sound like a hypocrite because then i'll go up tonight and talk about it on stage so but that's not it's hard to describe and i know we're about to run out of time but it just because i talk about it doesn't mean that's who i am yeah it's just joanne has a dog if she wanted to tell jokes she'd joke about her dog juliana uh, started when she was really young that that doesn't mean you're still really well you are pretty young but you, you're not as young <laughs> right. as you yeah, were you're not though, 15 right? yeah. you're not 15 anymore so why are we going to still ref, con, uh, uh, conceiving her as 15 yeah no, exactly but anyway. you you get to sort of decide whether you typecast yourself too, as that and brand your comedy as that yeah we'll come back with more of that that's very interesting uh we'll come back with more inside jokes right here on global news radio 640 toronto 
Hey, this is Alan Park, and you're listening to Inside Jokes on 640. Now, back to Inside Jokes on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Oh yeah, welcome back. I like to wind things down for the end of the show. I get gets nice and soft and relaxed. Welcome back, Canada. You're tuned in to Inside Jokes right here on the Global News Radio, six forty Toronto. That sounded like the, <laughs> sounded like the bits and bites guy. You remember him? <laughs> that cartoon so. one, right? Yeah. And he was kind of cre- he was like sitting there on a f- fence and he was like, "I'm just sitting here eating my bits and bites." He was there was something unsettling about that, right? Maybe I was high when I was watching that. I don't know. I always felt like he was going to come through the TV and like touch my lap or something. I don't know. (laughs) Anyways, there goes uh, any hope we ever had of Bits and Bites as a sponsor. Uh, I do want to say thank you to our panel. It flew by tonight. It did. We covered a lot of bases. Origin stories and comedy. What's happening now in the (coughs) weed comedy scene in this country. And and just what's happening at the underground. So thanks to our panel. Uh, We'll go around and find out where, where people can see you guys, what you guys are up to. So... Joe, what's what's what can people see coming up at the underground here in Toronto? Uh, well, obviously, um, busted if uh, if you make it, and uh, we do a lot more storytelling nights. Yeah, um, mo- traditionally stand up comedy. So Wednesday to Sunday we do shows, and uh, Friday Saturday there's double shows. And um, like I said, some of them are are stand up, some of them are um, improv, some of them are. Uh, we got a hockey show coming up. We've got nice uh, a bunch of great stuff. So good themes going on, uh, but more storytelling. That's that's always been my jam. Uh, when I'm on the stage, I tell stories. It's yeah. a good it's a great, good way to keep everyone connected. It is, and first off, I mean this show only exists so that people will go out and watch live comedy. But go check out the underground because it is one of those true great puffmama.ca puffmama.ca. It is one of those heritage <laughs> rooms in Canadian comedy that there there are very few like that, unfortunately. So uh, go and check out any night of the week. Go and see something at the underground. Uh, Mark Hughes, where can we see you coming up? Of course, at the underground. But what do we have coming up? Uh, uh, that's about it for plug worthy shows. Uh, and you can find me on social media at Mark at at, at sign, Mar- at sign yeah uh, Mark Hughes comic at Mark Instagram. Hughes. Look at that, yeah. nice and streamlined, beautiful. Profesh Juliana Rodriguez. Uh, I've got a show March seventh. I'm hosting at the Social Capital Theater. Very oh, nice. Not that late. Not really an original title, but whatever. Featuring uh, <laughs> Kyle Brandrig, Laura Lebo, Sam Burns, Patrick Akeem, Hor- Courtney Gilmore, just all like phenomenal Good comics. Oh yeah, that's right, a killer lineup. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Just uh, go to Eventbrite and then backslash Not That Late, and you'll get tickets. Very nice. Go check out that show. Go watch live Canadian comedy. Yes. That is why we're here. Yep. There's nothing like watching it live. Get off your ass and stop watching Netflix. Go and watch live Canadian stand-up. Thank you again to our panel. You can tune into us every Sunday night right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And, of course, stream us online. All our episodes, season four to the beginning of time on Global News Online. That's our show. We'll be back next week. Hi, this is Alicia Carusi. And you're listening to my aunt, Sandra Carusi's Comedy RX. This week featuring Juliana Rodriguez. This is pretty cool. Um, I, uh, I went to the spa with my mom recently. Has anyone else tried to ruin their life? Anybody try to make their life worse and go to the spa with their parents? 
It's weird, because she went in, here's what happened, like, you know, with your mom, my mom's, like, very comfortable with herself, I don't know what it is, like, she's very liberated, she went in fully naked, that was, I feel like that's a given, right, like, you just, she's, like, her, she's almost 50, so I feel like I blame it on that, like, her vision is fading, and so is her ability to see boundaries, right? <laughs> doesn't happen for this woman anymore, right? She had a joke prepared for me, too, and, like, turned around, she's like, sorry, forgot my bathing suit at home. Guess I'm gonna have to wear my birthday suit. <laughs> I was like, I'm just gonna be over here drowning. Is that okay? <laughs> The preceding program is a specialty program. Unless otherwise identified, the participants on the program are not employees of Chorus Entertainment. Opinions expressed may not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.